Ahoy everybody! Thank you for tuning in to Airborne Entrepreneur. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. And uh, I would like to introduce a very, very special guest today. And uh, I met him probably three years ago, I think, in a Melbourne, in a coaching institute. And uh, I saw him grow so much. Like, that's just amazing. And I realized that it will be probably a really good guest for us to speak about topic that we have in mind today and it's language and language I'm not talking about English language or German but I'm talking about our internal language or how we speak with people welcome to my podcast Matt hi how are you really good thank you thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here and I'm excited to see where we take things and how I can serve your audience well, thank you very much I will probably start uh, because my audience probably don't know you yet Right. And I would love to probably hear, because I'm also interested, how, how you become coach or I would say, because you, ha- you are a head trainer of coaching institute, that's huge. Like you, you changed so much from like last three, four years. And I think there is a journey or I believe there is a journey behind why or bro- what brought you to coaching. Right. Yeah. Also, I was a uh, personal trainer at one stage in my life. And that was the first real, um, I think, step forward I made into like a career that I was going to uh, really be out of thriving. Before that, I just had average jobs. You know, I sold Foxdale, I washed dishes in pubs and things like that. And so when I was working with clients as a personal trainer, one of the things that I became aware of is not everyone achieves the same results. I remember this was like a, one of the first things that when I started to think, really think about it, I thought, well, why is it I can have this person here and I would give them the exact same workout plan. They'll put in the exact same amount of effort, but they wouldn't change. And what about this person here? Who's just the most amazing client ever and they get the best results. Like what's the difference. And so that's when I first started to become aware of really the world of our mindset and how our mindset impacts our world in such a profound way. Like it really impacts our world in such a way where if you don't have the right mindset, you pretty much cannot succeed. But back then I didn't, I didn't know that. And I um, was also inspired at a similar time to uh, become a public speaker. So around about that time I saw Tony Robbins videos and I thought, wow, this guy's amazing. I saw a couple of people uh, that ran some seminars and I got inspired by that. And initially, I actually was searching for somewhere to teach me how to become a presenter, how to language things in a way that was impactful. And I stumbled across life coaching. I didn't even know life coaching was a thing. So I, I'm really grateful that I discovered it because it's been nearly nine years now since I started coaching. And really, I believe very, very firmly that it shouldn't be an elective education. It should be a standard education. I think it's crazy that it's not a standard education that we can go through the, and you know what, the schooling system is outdated. We all know that it is being reformed. It's improving slowly and in some places quickly. But I think it's, it's crazy that basic education about how our brain works, how our mind works, that's, that's, that's done in a general way. It's the thing that I like about coaching is it's general. It doesn't have to be something that only someone who has been able to get into a university can understand it's it's something that anyone can understand 
and we can apply it to our lives in a way to be able to create more uh, more functionality, like in our relationships and things like that. So I initially started and started up a coaching business myself back in 2012, and um, I've been working really hard on that. And, and now I am I have the wonderful role of being the main trainer at the Coaching Institute. So we're Australasia's number one coaching school, and I get to run all the trainings here or most of the trainings here. And it's it's a real it's a real wonderful skill to have. You know, I'm I'm just about to have my first. Uh, Bianca and I, my partner, are just, um, uh, she's pregnant. We're just about to have our first child. So we're building a family. And so having stuff like this means I have the tools to create the world that I want consciously. And I think not many people have that, which is really unfortunate. And I, and I really believe that the problem is a lack of education. It is. Yeah. First of all, I would like to congratulate you oh, from Bianca. You so much, yeah. I saw I saw that and I was like, that will be the first thing I will say. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No time. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it's weird if you opened up the podcast like that. It would have, people would have been like, okay. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much. We're very excited. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. It's beautiful. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I think world needs different education. And I actually was also probably surprised what is actually coaching because I was working as a coach before I actually studied coaching. And for me, I just didn't understand when I was doing that. <laughs> I just coached the teams and I was like, oh, we have great results. I don't have any idea how I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And when I started to actually study at a coaching institute, there was such a big shift. And, and I realized what tools I was using or how I can use them better. And when I saw you, that was probably the, the major thing for me because I I really didn't believe that I can learn to speak or be public speaker or really grow that, that muscle because I was always scared. And it's funny when I saw you, I was really surprised because I saw your trainings basically over like every year over and over again. And for me, it's uh, it, it's very visible that skill and hard work, hard work. Mm -hmm. like you're really working hard and, and it's amazing how you change and how you grow. And I, that's why I was thinking maybe talking about language and, um, language patterns will be really great topic for people. They can start to educate themselves because language is the first thing, how we actually talk, how we coming out, how we meeting people. Or if you can share with us, what do you think about language, how that can hurt us and how that can help us? Right. Well, before we get to language, I'd like to take a step back and, and then, and, and go to like how we show up our, our being, our, our presence or our lack of presence, our attention or our lack of attention. And then our language fits underneath that. So I think that the first thing to understand is that we are positively or negatively influencing our environment all the time, regardless of if we are aware of it or not. And, and the worst thing is actually to be unaware of it because there's more likely that you'll impact your environment in a negative way. And so this is very easy to see in the family. And so the family is the original unit where all of this plays out and where we learn this, right? If it's whatever's modeled to us when we're growing up is what we're going to have as our baseline. And then we do our own uh, adult education and we improve and we add things on. But so for example, say for example, if you have two parents and they are unaware of their impact on the child, they don't know that their presence or their attention or their lack of attention is going to affect the child positively or negatively. And I would say that most people grew up in a family like this. You know, a lot yeah. of people say, 
oh, my childhood wasn't that bad. You know, my, I had a roof over my head and I had food on the table. And I even remember my mom used to say that to me. She said, well, you've got a roof over your head and you've got food on the table. <laughs> and I think that, you know, from a survivalistic point of view, well, that's phenomenal. And that's better than not having those things 110%. Yeah. Although I think that a lot of us have grown up in a world where we believe that it doesn't matter how we say it. It doesn't matter how we show up. It doesn't matter if we're present or not present, if we're attentive or non-attentive, those things aren't that important. And that's a real uh, problem to think that way. So for example, if we grow up in a family where maybe our, we had a father and that father was disconnected, right? He didn't know that his presence and his attention was important. Then we probably won't really learn that our presence and our attention is important. And then now we find ourselves in relationships. And there's relationships that are maybe not working out that well. And we think, I don't know why. Why is it not working out? We think it should just happen. But we need to, first of all, become aware of how we are showing up. And I think one really important thing is where is our attention going? You know, this all has to start with awareness. It's awareness, yeah. then it's acceptance of where we're at, then it's actions of where we can change. And so awareness, it's like, where's your attention? Um, most people are lost in their heads and we, yeah, we get stuck in our heads, uh, where we're lost in a train of thought. And so one of the first things to become aware of a basic foundation is that you have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. There's a separation there. You have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. You are something that notices your thoughts. And you can say, I am the presence, I am the I amness, I am the energy, I am the soul, I am the, the God, whatever. It's all saying different words for the same thing. We are the thing that notices ourselves thinking. Step one, to become aware of that. If we can become aware of that, well, then we have a chance of separating the relationship with incessant, continuous, rambling thinking, which most people are stuck in. Yeah. And they feel that they don't have control over our thoughts, right? So our language comes from our thoughts. Yeah. I so we have, to, yeah. we have to, first of all, start with, with thoughts. And so once we can create that separation, then I think from there, we can start to uh, then come up with a little bit of space to then choose some better thoughts, choose some better messages maybe give ourselves the affirmations that we've been wanting. So I think that that's definitely where we have to start. I, I will just add probably to the thoughts um, because I, I really love that topic. And I was just, just running the workshop around that awareness and thoughts and judgment. And I have some like, like a small idea for people that can do some kind of thought check uh, when they're waking up, just really start to think or uh, noticing their thoughts in the morning. Because that's like the first thing that you can bring awareness to your thoughts. I don't know if you agree, but that's something that you wake up, you open your eyes and, and you can really put attention to your thought. Your, your first or second thought in the morning is what you can do because nobody's distracting you. You're lying down in the bed. And 100% completely agree with you. So um, the, the, the next part of this that I find is really important to have an awareness of is um, what's called our developmental stages as as children now this is appropriate for adults this is not just about how to raise kids so when we grow up we all have these developmental stages that we go through and there's about five major developmental stages 
And for example, one of the developmental stages is the first one is to learn that we can trust our environment. And we literally learn this by our mother picking us up when we're crying. That's it. So, and, and if you think about it over the last hundred years, how much bad advice has there been around that? You know, a lot of, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people were taught you should let your kids cry, right? When they cry, let them cry it out. You know, that was, that was, that was literally what we were taught. And so yeah. even if, even mums that had the intuition to go pick up their kids may have let their kids cry it out because their, their advisor told them to do it, right? Or the book told them to do it. We now know that that is uh, completely incorrect. Yeah. And it's the worst thing you can do. Now, inside that developmental period, a, a newborn can't think. And it needs to emotionally learn that it can trust its environment. Now, if it doesn't have that developmental need, then we, we don't learn trust, but we learn distrust, right? So we learn distrust. So what, that, what does that mean? That means that we generally are untrustful of the world. We're hypercritical. Uh, we generally expect bad things to happen. Um, we're more cynical. Now, why is this important? Well, because if that developmental need is not met, or if you don't have awareness that you even have needs, then that developmental need will impact what's called your conditioning, which is everything you think about. And so then your thoughts are governed by this hole in your psyche. And so now you're an adult and you're wondering why you don't trust your new partner, or you're wondering why you don't trust your neighbors, or you're wondering why your thinking is so negative and you think something's wrong with you. Well, maybe not. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have the right foundation when you were growing up. And so the studies show that when we're in our intimate relationships, about 80 to 90% of all of our thoughts um, in a relationship can be driven and governed by unmet needs in our childhood. So for example, uh, I know that in my adolescence, I had a mother and also a bunch of teachers yeah. that never really, I never felt like they, they got me, right? I, I never felt like they listened. I, 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 my experience was as a boy, it's like I was told what to do, which I imagine would be extremely common for a lot of people who resonate with that. Yeah. I was told what to do. I didn't feel like I really had a space to really have my view heard. And so anyway, I know that now plays out in relationships. So my thinking is like, you're not listening to me. Now, it's pretty important for me to know that that might not be true and the person might actually yeah. be listening to me but I'm replaying this old unresolved story that's been with me my whole life. Now this is called our projection is actually, so our perception is actually a projection. Yeah. And, and this is very powerful to understand when it comes to understanding our thoughts, which is then going to determine the words that we use and the language that we have, because it comes from our thoughts is that a lot of the bullshit that we tell ourselves, it, it comes from, um, essentially problems in our past that haven't been resolved yet and they're playing out on repeat. Like, like negative thinking that is continuous is not healthy. And a lot of people think it is. They go, oh yeah, just, that's just how it is. Well, it's not how it is. It's a product of a lack of education. And I, and I, and I think that's why it's so important that we have these conversations to, to, to start talking about it more. So it just becomes more common knowledge and it's not just like on the, you know, on the far left or something, 
Yeah. Where you only find out about it if you're a weirdo, but it's like, it's just the common knowledge. Yeah. And it's honestly, I will be, I think this is amazing what you're saying, because I can see that even, I don't want to go that close, but even in my family, but what you will probably suggest, because I think we need to help people to at least start at small step, even for people, they, they just don't, don't know they want to change yet. Right. For sure. So it's a good question. So there's, there's two things. The first thing is, is be a good demonstration. Yeah. I think a lot of people will say, uh, I want my, you know, my family to be better. My first question is, is are you doing it yourself? Are you, are you living the thing that you're going to suggest that they can live? Because they're not going to listen unless you are. And one of the things that can be a great change is simply a demonstration. Yeah. Uh, I know that for me and my family, when I first joined coaching, I wanted everyone to join the program. I thought, oh, this is great. You guys should all come and do this. And they were like, no, we're not doing it. You're good. <laughs> and, but then after time, through the demonstration of me changing, I've slowly had a handful of family members reach out and say, hey, could you suggest something? Or, you know, can you hook me up with a coach? Or maybe I can come and check this out. And so that's been really awesome. The second thing is, is it all comes down to empowerment and permission. And this is where we can start getting into the implementation of language and, and, and what to say and what not to say. So one of the things that a lot of people are never taught is they're never taught about boundaries. In, in a simplistic way, in the context that we're using right now, a boundary is essentially the fact that you are your own person and I am my own person. And I am not in control of you and you're not in control of me. I'm not responsible for you. You are not responsible for me. Your shit, my shit. There's a separation between it. We're adults and it's your problem and it's my problem, right? So it's like your problem is not my problem. Now, a lot of people, they don't know that and they're taught what's called enmeshment, which means your problems are my problem and I will feel it that way. And I, and I feel like I want to change you because I can't deal with how I feel when I see you go through these challenges. Now, it's not to say we don't love the person because it's not like I'm not saying I'll oh, remove that. It means I don't care. We care. It's just that we hand them the responsibility card. It's your card. You do it with it what you choose. I'm going to care. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to let you know my thoughts on it. But what you do is up to you. Now, from that, it's important for us to ask permission and just say, hey, can I share with you some stuff about what's going on? Or can I reflect some stuff back to you? Now, if a person says no, and they say no repeatedly, then you've got a really good reflection on the, the lack of intimacy inside that relationship. Because then that person is not open to growth. And someone who's not open to growth is not open to intimacy which means they're not open to closeness, which means you don't actually have that much of a connection with them. And sometimes that's a thing to face as well. But if you've got someone who is open for growth and they are moving towards closeness in their life, which is all of our goal, move towards closeness in our friendships, in our partners, intimate relationships, work relationships, move towards connection and closeness because we're wired for connection. But if someone is open to moving towards connection, they'll most likely say, yes, share with me your idea. But the biggest mistake is just to share your idea without asking because that's unsolicited advice. Yeah. That generally pisses people off. Yeah. So to say, <laughs> to say, Hey, no, 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 do it like this. You know, you're doing it wrong. And they're like, look, don't tell me what to do. 
yeah <laughs> that's the first thing yeah. yeah so i'd say asking for support so ask permission up front yeah uh, check if they want it and then maybe share some guides share, share some ideas and things like that but check if they're open because openness and curiosity that's the benchmark not everyone's open yeah you know, like i'll give you an example um i've got a uh person in my life who um told me about an investment that they made recently and i said hey did you know that you can do it in this way and you can actually save money and they're like no 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 this is this is you know this is the way i'm doing it and i said cool all good rock on rock forth and it's like you know from my point of view i'm like that's dumb because you're wasting money and but from their point of view they're like i'm good i've got it my own way i want to do it on my way right and yeah. that's rock on right that's what's happening for them now the only time that you break the rule is when someone's self-harming that's the time when you break the rule so say for example someone's like they're they're drinking too much and you care about them that's when you step in and you say hey you're drinking too much i love you we need to talk because this is not good for you this is not good for your family we need it we need to chat and hopefully that don't push you away but when people yeah when yeah. people are, are are killing themselves and you're not having an opinion on it that is not love that is um being really passive and it's generally supporting the life destroying action and we have way too much of that inside our community so right. that's the only time you break the rule but otherwise you know if someone's bitching and moaning and complaining and they just want to keep doing it well that's their decision yeah yeah and the, the sad thing is that majority of people are actually kind of passive and uh and they just look at the things and uh yeah i just i i realized that is the world needs people they will step in and they will actually say things and opinion and they will actually try to help even though sometimes it can cost you friendship can cost you you know to lose someone for a while but i, I believe when that other person will find out later on anyway it will be awesome at the end and uh there is probably something that I heard when you say that people can be open or they're close and they don't want to grow and they are actually, they don't want to hear anyone and they think they are fine. And you mentioned that is lack of intimacy. Is that also something that can come from family? Because we were talking about the stages that when we are growing up and because I have feeling that some similar behaviors that i'm seeing or similar language patterns i'm seeing at people that usually have uh, really bad um broken families yeah. and that has really huge impact on them and their behaviors and i'm just curious more about that like how that person that feels like it's fine but is basically repeating for example the mom or or, or father and really wrong way like really unresourceful behavior and like if you are able to change that or help them somehow. Right. So one of the, another developmental stage is what's called healthy attachment. And so um, Sue Johnson's done a lot of great work on this. She's done some really good work. Also John Bradshaw is another good person to look up. And so healthy attachment simply means that we are wired for connection. We're wired to bond. Now all, a lot of mammals are, you see this in dogs. Right. If you have a dog and it rips up a pillow, you come home, it knows. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. knows it's done the wrong thing. 
Yeah, my dog knows. <laughs> my dog knows. So this is this is important for us to realize. Even the dog knows yeah. what's happening. The dog's saying, "I'm risking disconnection right now." Now, if you discipline the dog and you put the dog outside for 20 minutes, it knows it's not having a good time. It knows it's being disconnected and it wants to come back up and, and do what's called repair, right? So a lot of us aren't taught how to repair. And so when we don't know how to repair and reconnect, what we do is we give up. And that's where people say things like, it doesn't matter. I'm on my own. I'm a loner. I don't need people. That's a, that's a way to manage the pain of not knowing how to reach out. Now, this is not a person's fault um, to have this background. It is their responsibility to change it. Yeah. And inside the family, what needs to happen is we are 100% reliant on our parents. We need to be able to make mistakes and for them to still be there. That's the model. We need to know that we can screw up and they'll be there and they'll still love us. Now, that is pretty rare to find inside a family from the last 50 years, right? Most people's family, you get in trouble, you're out, right? We hear all these horror stories of the, the, the man, the, the boy comes out gay and is disowned by his father, right? The, the, the woman is into the wrong music and is disowned by the mother. The yeah. woman wants to be more of a, a, a tomboy and is disowned and so on and so on. You're not accepted for who you are. And so when that happens, we don't actually remain connected. Now, what that means is, is that if we're not attached, another word for attached is um, healthy reliance, which means I know it's okay for me to rely on another person. I don't need to go through this alone. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that. And so a lot of people now are going through it alone. They're sticking it out alone. They're saying, I've got to push through this on my own. And, you know, some people get really good at it. They get really high, highly autonomous and they, they burn out. I see it a lot. They get really stressed when they get to like 50 and they can't, their nervous system can't handle it anymore yeah. because they, they're not connected to people. They're, they're, in, they're an island, right, in, in, in the ocean, but they don't have to be an island because there's connection everywhere that we look. Yeah. But if you've not been trained how to connect, then you think you need to do it alone. And so the beginning of this work, which is something that you kind of mentioned earlier, I was thinking about it when you were talking, I can't remember what you said spurred this, but the beginning of this work is actually what's called um, original pain work, which just simply means that you've got to face that your childhood was painful. If you can't face that, then you yeah. cannot repair what was missing. It won't work. You got to be able to connect with another person and be like, if it's appropriate, if it's true. Yeah. I reckon my mom was not there when I needed her when I was real young, but you can't start doing this. But every family was like that. And that was just how it was. And my mom did the best that she could. That's called minimizing. Yeah. When you do that, you avoid feeling any emotion. When you feel the emotion, you reconnect with the part of you that actually needed it in the first place, but then felt pain by not getting it. That's the, 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 the gateway to walk through. And, and that's how we can reclaim those needs and we can open ourselves back up to connection. We don't have to do things alone. Yeah, I guess that's the hardest part probably for people actually to connect to old wounds, I would say, because it's yeah. uh, 
it's horrible to probably think about something if something bad happened. And I understand that. And probably that's another question coming from that because I, yeah, like when I'm thinking about, about stories, what I'm hearing, even neighborhood, like I, I, I have actually neighbor, he's uh, probably 12 years old now. And, and he is same, like really dysfunctional family, only mom uh, staying with him. And, and basically he's ending up on the street. Like she's just like locking the doors. He's, he's out. He doesn't have food. He, he was always knocking the doors and I, I was always feeding him for actually, like, I didn't even know what is happening, but I saw that guy, like the small boy was hungry and, and he was pushed away. And I saw him now walking with not really the best guys, you know, and probably he's growing to different person that he probably supposed to be, you know, a year ago, if something different happened. And I'm just more curious what to, what message we should probably, we should give, or we should, we should give parents, I guess. Parents will be the first, first people that are actually really taking care of our next generation. And uh, what, what is the best to do with, with kids, you know, to, especially with that puberty time that is coming from like nine, 15, they're already, you know, like they have their own brain, they are rebels. <laughs> and I guess that's probably the hardest part for parents. For sure. Um, I, I think you, you've got to get educated. I think that we need to face that education is not a um, option. It's a, it's a must. So I don't think that it's appropriate for us to go, oh, yeah, I read some books here and there. You've got to take it seriously. Building a family is like building a business. You can't just open up a shop front and then work out the colors and the regime as you go. You've got to be prepared. You've got to work these things out. And, and I think that, um, for example, like I know self-help was a bit of a movement in the 80s, right? And so a lot of people were, were like, um, they kind of, marked it as uh, that's just a thing that some people do right self-help it's like oh you're into self-help right i think that we still have a shaming culture around learning it's just it's 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 stupid that we have a shaming culture around learning it doesn't make any logical sense it that's makes crazy. sense but it's crazy yeah. it makes sense from a psychological point of view i can totally appreciate that some people are intimidated by it we need to learn and and i'm a massive fan of stuff that is research-based there's a there's a there's a place called the gottman institute um dr john gottman sue johnson is another massive person one of my favorites is um, john bradshaw there's people that have done amazing work sharon pearson right the founder of the coaching institute has put her own spin on that work which is epic there's people that have done really good work and and it's there is no tip there's no one-liner it's a bigger deal than that and we need to appreciate that. And we need to appreciate that if we're going to go in blind and if we're going to see what happens, then we're going to get see what happens kind of results. Ultimately, my opinion on it is an opinion that is a bit deeper than just a normal kind of like relationship advice opinion. And my opinion is this, and this is not just my opinion. This is my opinion based on everything that I've, yeah. that I've, um, that I've learned myself, which is that your parents, so you grew up in Germany? Uh, Slovakia. Slovakia, all right. So your oh. parents, right, your parents, there's no way your parents had a better upbringing than you did. No way. You definitely have had a better upbringing. Now, your grandparents would have had a worse one and their parents and their parents, and let's just keep going back. And let's say, for example, we go back 10 generations. Yeah. In your family and my family, it's not good. 
right? And what I mean by that is we didn't know a lot of what we now know, right? If we go back into the 60s, there was a, um, there was a movement of giving people lobotomies in the 60s, right? Now, if you think about it, that was the time that we also were experimenting with LSD and starting to learn about uh, oneness and connection, which is great because we just came out of the second world war. That was crazy times. So if you think about it back then, you know, that's not that far, that's not that far uh, long ago, ago, right? There's people that are alive back then. And to think about that now, we think, wow, if someone has ADHD, we, 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 we turn them into a, into a carrot, right? So if you think back, the reason why we need to know this is because there's a lot of what we thought was normal that was really bad for our self-esteem. That's crazy reminder. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we need to face that. Now, we don't need to blame it. I don't think we should blame it. I think that there's a whole culture of blame and shame at the moment, which is like, well, it's my parents' fault and it's my... I don't, I don't think that's useful, right? Like, I know my parents didn't, like, missed a lot of stuff, but, hey, they did the best they could. Exactly. Right? If, Absolutely. If, if I was born in their time, I would have raised me the same way. It's just, it's, it's like, it's the time thing. It's the fact that I'm alive now at this time and now we have this medium. Now we can learn faster. So let's appreciate that the last hundred years was not helpful when it comes to self-esteem. And we are a product of that. We were born into that, into that, um, into that soil. And it's, I'm not saying like it's all dark and doom, but I'm just like, let's appreciate that it's not going to be a click of a finger and a, and a, and a two day seminar that sets you straight. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. You've got to work on yourself. You have to face your shit. You've got to face your wounds. You've got to heal when you need to heal. You've got to groove, grieve when you need to grieve. You've got to learn how to build healthy relationships. And I think as a parent, you've got to do that fast because if you don't do that, um, uh, Carl Jung, who's one of the grandfathers of psychology, he said that one of the most destructive forces in the family is the unlived lives of the parents. I love that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big one. Yeah, the most destructive force is the unlived life of the parents, yeah. which means you've got two parents that are unlived. They're holding themselves back. They haven't grieved their childhoods. They don't know how to connect. And now they're raising kids. And the kids are being raised with half parents. And then the, 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 the problems continue. Now, that is all of our problem. That's my problem. That's my parents' problems. That's your problems. We're all in the same boat. We're not pointing fingers at anyone saying, oh my God, that's me. That's us. Yeah. That's where we are at as a collective. And I think when we face that and we say, okay, well, it's true. It, you know, we, we stop brushing off and saying, oh, bit deep, mate. You know, that's a bit too much. Have a beer. She'll be right. And we let go of that culture. And instead we face the work that we need to do. We can actually help people grow up happy with self-esteem and their creativity and their, their authentic selves intact. But it's a lot of work. Exactly. I absolutely agree that we can be happy and we can actually do it by ourselves. And we can do it only through thoughts and awareness and, and be aware how we think and what we do and what our thinking actually, or what actions we are doing based on our thinking. I think that's the huge thing. And when I'm thinking, when you mentioned the world war and what was happening last, you know, hundred years, and I had a lot of conversation with my grandma and my grandpa was in um, Gulag and 
my grandmother was saying things, you know, like that she actually was there. She was there. She was saving, you know, soldiers and, and um, hiding. I don't know if I can say that, but she was hiding, you know, like the, the Austrian or Germans because they were much better than Russians. There was just all this like a mess, you know, that information that was coming. And she was really talking about the story, how she was there. And, and I just couldn't believe that. Like we are so, probably this is something we should open, open up and, and say we should be grateful in what kind of uh, generation or environment we are living, even though it's, you know, a lot of drugs, a lot of things are happening, but we are lucky. We have houses, you know, it's, it's not really someone else to bombarding us here and, and it's not that dangerous and, and we are quite safe. And I think from that part as well, a lot of comfort coming, like people really like comfort and they rather watch Netflix or, you know, do something very comfortable and they don't even go out of the house. I'm not sure if that is uh, also the difference between Europe and Australia. I, I never ever saw that when I came to Australia, I was like, where the people are, like what is happening? There was no one on the street. And only change that I saw that was actually during COVID-19. I didn't want to mention that, but it's, it's something that I actually realized that people have bicycles <laughs> and they're actually going out. And I saw first time after five years in Australia that people were actually driving, uh, riding the bikes with, with kids and I was so amazed and I said what is happening in the world and I guess this is first thing we need to be grateful for what was happening and we don't have it we, are, we should be grateful for what we have now and uh, and really be more present and be more with, with our families because small thing I'm not sure if you will agree but when we were talking about childhood I know there is big thing that like our behavior or beliefs are forming when we are from one to three years old and and small thing like parents screaming at you when you are super small, you know, running naked out of the bathroom, that can change your life. You can be ashamed on a I don't know, in bathers on the beach. Like these small things we are doing to our kids can change everything in their life. And I think that's the that's the big thing to just to be aware of our language, how we speak with them. Like that's probably something at the end. I don't know if you will agree, but yeah, completely. I completely agree. And I, and I like your point. I think it's really important that we, we are grateful for the life that we live, for the life that, was, that people fought for us to be able to have. We're here now in a very comfortable life. And hopefully we don't have to experience so many problems like our ancestors did. Yeah. At the same time, I think it's important to appreciate that we now have the ability to heal the traumas from the past. Right. The, the traumas that, for example, your grandma experienced are horrific. I could only imagine, I can't even imagine actually what it would have been like. I have no ability to think just to, just to, I can't comprehend it, but I imagine it would have been horrifying for it to be that real, right? Like for us, it's a movie. It is, yeah. I mean, it's like, I've seen the movies, but for her, it's like, it's not, that was in my town. You know, that was down the road. That was St. Kilda right? You know, for me. So I think it's important to appreciate that we now have the responsibility that those pains and those traumas in a way, they kind of get passed down to us. We've got to, we've got to grieve them and we've got to start doing the work. And um, I like what you said about, you know, I think a lot of people are too comfortable. I, I, I agree with that. I think that social media and the internet is a um, double-edged sword. So I think that it is great because of this, right? What we're doing right now, we're, we're talking yeah. about, this is a conversation that matters and I trust that it serves everyone that's listening to it. 
and you can listen to it anywhere in the world. So that is awesome. You know, podcasts, online learning, the fact that I can jump online. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, it's great. I can, someone said to me, buy that book and I get on my phone and I go, I've got it. Right. I love that. I love that. What's the downside though? Well, the downside is, is that it promotes the um, ability to demonstrate your false self too much and not really learn how to connect with people in real life. And so through the internet, we can promote our false self, which is like who I'd like you to think I am. It's the me with the nice hair and I'm always got nice clothes and I smile on the perfect spot. And I know we all do this to a certain degree. Yeah. We want to present well, but if you only have that life, we can trick ourselves into thinking that that is real, but that's not real. When you have a connection with someone, an actual relationship with them, you don't only see their good side. You don't only see them looking really well. Like I think this is horrible for, um, uh, for men and women, the relationship between men and women, younger years as well. This is like, right. I, um, when I was, when I was 16 and I was really like into, into girls, uh, we didn't have Facebook, right? We didn't have Facebook. So How I mean, great was that? that was great. <laughs> right. I think it was better. We, yeah. I met girls at, at parties. We would go to parties and I'd meet people and it would be friends of friends and it was really exciting. And we, we could speak to people, but now, you know, the way people present at a young age, especially everyone looks, everyone is trying to measure up to the fake presentation of a model or a movie star. Yes. Now, even a model or a movie star doesn't look like that all the time. It's a fake presentation because everyone's normal. Everyone's human. And we're not that good looking. Like we're normal. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I look at, pictures of young kids and I'm like that's a lot of pressure to to look like that and to present like that and I get that it's a social thing but I think that that is a very large problem that we're facing and I'm not sure where it's going to go I think it'll get worse this and I'm very very I'm very nervous I, I'm, I now think about it more because I'm about to be a dad yeah. and I, I know I'm a long way away from having to manage stuff like that. But, you know, it's a very important thing to think about is do you have a, do you have a, uh, a relationship with yourself? So if you don't have a self, you are, you are without a self, right? So you don't have an identity yeah. and you will try and find an identity on the internet or through a way to present. And so the, again, this is why we've got to come back to connecting with our pain and ourself and who we are. Because then if I have a self, I can develop resilience and then that shit is not important to me. You know, like I, I really don't like social media. I, um, I, I'm, I, I like it for business. Yeah. End of, end of story. I, you know, I send my friends text messages. But I think that's, that's all what it should be for that. Like it should be for business. It should be for some kind of promotion or something that you want to do or you want to achieve or brand awareness, building up your brand. I think it's great, great tool. But to spending time on social media, just scroll down and looking at other people's profiles and compare again, because I think that's another probably trade we can talk about comparison and judgment. When we compare ourselves, we just don't perform. We are depressed. We are sad. We are having 
our brain is occupied by different energy and we can't really, really think straight. And I think that's, that's another huge topic that I would love to talk because I know you don't have a lot of time and um, it's, I absolutely understand the pressure that kids have because it's horrible. And I think to try to look skinny and beautiful all the time, exactly is not true. And we can't be always perfect. And that's why I love actually what, what some actors and some models started to do as well. The, the Instagram started to be very raw. They actually put pictures from home and, and I saw some actors. I was like, oh, she's not that nice. That's cool. <laughs> that means it's kind of like, like it even makes me feel, you know, funny and smile. Like this is actually great because that can help kids to understand it's not only that fake filtered, you know, a smile and, um, and a picture that is our video and it's great. And I think that's probably, that will be on famous people to push it a little bit because that's that's something that can change yeah. our generation I, and help it them. It's great to see actors and musicians and people that are of um, a high influencer um, status to be able to say, hey, this is me in my backyard. Yeah, exactly. I'm just normal just like you. Yeah. And, and break the barrier. <laughs> and it's really Maybe Maybe that was why all these, uh, you know, a crisis came. Maybe that was something that, like that good thing that happened during the COVID, you know, like that, all the things happening, they are really nice and, and people did. And I believe they will have big impact on our right. world. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And so, well, when it comes to comparing ourselves, we all do it. We all compare ourselves. It's something that we've all done before, yeah. at least at minimum. And so the enemy is comparison it kills creativity and it kills um, yeah. expression and it kills your authenticity so it's like the death of a person is to compare yourself to other people yeah. and one of the most important things to know for an individual is that you are not uh your work you are not your body what do i what i mean by that is that your value is not your abs your value is not your ass your value is not your breasts your value is not your job your value is not your car your value is you you are unique and you are wonderful on your own now if that was not modeled to you when you were a kid what i just said sounds like a bunch of bullshit Right, you think, oh, whatever, this is some personal development, stupid shit. But it's true, it's real. And it you know, if you don't think it for yourself, well, think it for a child. You see a two-year-old, any two-year-old. Let's let's say one, because two-year-olds are real like cranky. <laughs> like a brand new baby in any culture, anywhere, doesn't matter what ethnicity it is, no one cares, right? That's crazy to judge based on that. You see any baby, any, any orientation, any expression, whatever, and you tell me that that child is not unique and not wonderful and not perfect the way they are. Yeah. I don't think you can do it because they are. You know they are. And so we get disconnected from that. And when we're disconnected from that truth, if it wasn't taught to us, then we've got to start teaching it to ourselves. We have to start reconnecting. And that's a vulnerable thing to do. But to start finding you, the expression of you, and realizing that you on your own are epic the way that you are. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't mean so don't look after your body. Like, I value health. I want to um, have a, uh, I want to be stronger. I want to be more powerful. These things are important to me. Uh, but, I, but I'm not doing them 
so I get loved. I'm doing them because I want it. And I want to be able to like, I like the feeling of yeah. running and lifting things. And, I, and it's a challenge and I enjoy it, right? I'm doing it because I enjoy it. You know, see so many people that are, you know, they're on these diets and they're going to the gym and it just looks like pain. Why are they doing it? They're doing it, for, they're doing it for acceptance. Yeah. It's very sad because they're not enjoying their life. Yeah. And that's the thing you, you suffer when, when you compare or judge, that's the suffering. I think I actually read that last two days ago in uh, that was some artist artist was actually talking about those things. And, and he said he was uh, comparing the art and he didn't want to look at that because he thought that his art is horrible and he couldn't actually create another amazing picture or painting. And I believe it's, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's killing creative creativity and, and it's, killing the work that you can actually have done and you can do you know and you can do magic when you're not comparing and judging and uh yep i will probably bring us to to the end it was a pleasure to have you with me uh, and um <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> and uh, i really appreciate your time and if you have anything at the end what you would like to share with the audience or or any maybe quote or maybe maybe some sentence that can help us to change and have a positive week full of awareness, that will be great. Thank you. You're only ever one thought away from creating change. I think a lot of people think that change is distant and in the future. It's not, it's you're one thought away from it. And if you don't know what to think, reach out and start getting some new ideas. Fill yourself with education. Find something that inspires you and so you get that new thought and then you're able to create change based on that.